We're going to get started. It's so cool to be here with you guys this morning, man. God is doing some pretty incredible things. Would you not agree? Every time you hear about Marathon, every time you see something going on, God is working and moving, and you are playing a huge part of that, and I'm excited to be here with you today. But we're going to talk about something that's going to kind of be key. Because we're coming out of a series on heaven, and you're about to go into a series on relationships. Wow, how about that? They planned that real well, didn't they? All right, so this morning, I want to talk to you about one word that I think is very, very important what God wants us to do. It's called urgency. Say urgency with me. We need to have a sense of urgency when it comes to reaching people for Jesus in anything and everything that we do. All right. Now, the beautiful thing is this. I saw this statement not too long ago, and it really got me thinking because it got me really chasing and pursuing God a little bit more. See, heaven is for everyone. Those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, heaven is for us, correct? But heaven is our home. This is not our home. We're just, we're just kind of passing through. Heaven is our home. We're just here to be billboards. And the beautiful thing about it is every time you see a billboard, there's some billboards that you will pass and you're like, oh, I don't want to see that one again. I wish that one would come down. Or you got that billboard that like, man, I really like that one. So what kind of billboard are you? Are people looking at you saying, hey, man, I kind of want a part of that or, man, I want nothing to do with that. I want nothing to do with that. See, we got to have a sense of urgency. And I, I want you to think about this statement as we go on this morning. I want you to hold on to this. I want you to, to think about this because in every person, there's always someone that has a past. If you have a past, raise your hand real quick. Oh, my bad. Me too. Okay. No, we have a past, right? So here, here's the beautiful thing about that. A lot of times in our life, we'll see our past, but God sees our future. We see a lump of clay, but God sees the sculpture, See, I see a random mark on a canvas, but God sees the painting already fulfilled. The beautiful thing about this is God, I see a piece of coal, but God sees the diamond. We've got to have a sense of urgency. In the world that we live in right now, it's messed up. But there's a solution. And it's time for the church to stand up and be loud about what matters most, and that's the solution. The solution is Jesus. And that's why we have to have that sense of urgency. This morning, we're going to look at a story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible where we see several guys had a sense of urgency. And what I love about it, they did what it took, no matter the cost. So in Mark chapter 2 is what we're going to look at this morning. I want to kind of set this up for you because we're going to go back to this all morning. But I want you to get the whole glimpse of the story, and then we're going to go back and break it down. Okay, I'm going to say get it. You say got it. Get it? Oh, I like y'all this morning. Okay, everybody had their coffee. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 2, verse 1, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house was where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Do you understand that when Jesus showed up on the scene, people were there? People wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to hear Jesus. They wanted to be a part of the next miracle that was going to take place because everywhere Jesus went, something happened. So my question is this, is Jesus here with us this morning? Then where's everybody at? Where's everybody at? We've got to have a sense of urgency. We've got, to, we've got seats that need to be filled. We've got places that people need to be at because guess what? The same thing you're getting this morning, there are so many others who need to get as well. So everywhere Jesus went, everywhere he showed up, people showed up. And what's crazy about that, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a map. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. 
Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them. I mean, in, in typical Jesus fashion, right? You've got these guys are sitting here like, what's this man talking about? Has he lost his mind? Is he crazy? Only God can do that. And I mean, just put yourself in this story for a second. Jesus is standing there like, oh, you want to go there? All right, let's go there. Let me show you what's going to happen. He, he's already one step ahead of them. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say that the, to the paralyzed man your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. Put yourself in this story. Put yourself here because a lot of things that you got to understand. Not, did, not anywhere did we see the men climbed the roof or they got on top. We don't know. All we know is they cut a hole in the roof and they lowered the man down. Now, one thing that is beautiful about this story, if you're ever able to see some of the old buildings and how they were made back then, you had some outside stairs, but you had no railings. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to climb on a third-story house with no railing on the side of stairs, right? Especially when the stairs are probably about this big. So you, you got four men. We don't know if they're big. We don't know if they're small. We don't know if they're medium. We just know that they're four men, right? And they've got this paralyzed man on a mat. So what are we going to do? We have to get our friend to Jesus. We're going to do what it takes, no matter the cost, no matter the risk. Even if people talk about us, we're going to do everything that we can to get our friend to Jesus. So as they get there, keep in mind, the houses back then are not the houses like now. All right? These are like little huts back in the day. They're not big. They're just, they're just houses, four walls with an open room in the middle, and all they can do is try to get in. So Jesus is standing in the middle of this room. You've got everybody in the world showing up so they can hear, see, and experience what's about to happen next. And these guys hear this. Now, think about this, too. Were they already in town? How far did they travel? What did it take for them to get there? These are things that we don't know. We don't know if they lived here. We don't know if they traveled days. All we know is they had a friend who was in need, and they had a sense of urgency, and they had to get their friend to Jesus. So think about this. You get there, and all of a sudden, you've got people everywhere. How in the world are we going to get our friend in this house? Jesus is in there. We know he's in there. How, and here's what's crazy about this. They knew where he was because of the people. It's almost like the town probably turned into a ghost town because everybody was at this house. Now, think about this. What if this was your house? Would it be clean and ready for all the people to show up? Because, you know, come on, ladies, you know how you are. If you've got visitors coming over, what do you have to do? You tell your husband to clean the house. And when it's not done the right way, you go behind him and you clean the house, right? So Jesus shows up and all of a sudden they're like, we got to clean our house. But Jesus was talking about, I got to clean their house. See, they were thinking about the four walls. He was thinking about the heart. And he knew that there was an urgency there that had to be taken care of. So on top of this whole matter at hand, these guys show up. And I can just imagine, you got guys on four corners. They're looking at each other like, well, we got here. We're not going to get in there, so let's go home. You probably got that one friend that were like, we're not going anywhere. I didn't walk this far. I didn't carry this guy. Like, no, Jesus is there, so we're going to get there. So they looked everywhere that they could do. They could find any way to get in. And you know what they did? They climbed on top of the roof. They pulled their friend up there, and they cut a hole in the map. And we're going to look at that in just a second, but there's a couple things that I want you to make sure you get a hold of and you understand this morning as we go, because verse 5 is so important. He looked at his friends, he says, seeing their faith, not a Sunday faith. We just sang about that. 
If all you have is a Sunday faith, you got some problems. You got to have a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. If all you do is follow Jesus on a Sunday, man, we need to talk. Because there's so much more that we're missing. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I wish I could just have church every single day, be with the body of believers, be with the community. How great would it be if we come in here for seven days in a row and we kept coming, but yet we don't have that opportunity, but yet we have the opportunity to meet with him on a day-in, a day-out basis. So when you step back and you look at this, seeing their faith, what does your faith look like? Could one of your friends be healed because of your faith? Could one of your friends come to Jesus because of your faith? See, a couple of things that we're going to look at this morning. As a follower of Jesus, I want you to get this this morning. As a follower of Jesus, with a sense of urgency, sees the need for Jesus. They see the need. A follower with a sense of urgency sees the need for Jesus. How many of you watch the news? Anybody watch the news in here? Yeah, me either. Um, how many of you get on the social media? Oh, see how that changed? Um, how many of you have a cell phone with notifications? Oh, see how the hands are getting more and more. So I don't have to sit here and tell you what the world looks like, do I? I don't have to sit here and tell you all the ups and downs and the chaotic problems that we have. I mean, we have some of those in our own home. But what you also have in your home is Jesus. You have those, it's your workplace. What you also have is Jesus. We have so much chaos going on around us, but as followers of Jesus, we have to see the need for him. Look at verses two and three again. This is what it says. I love this story so much. Soon the house where they were staying was packed with visitors. They were packed with no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying paralyzed men on the mat. I think it's very interesting that it was four. And then there's a fifth. So you've got five people in this, all right? Now, here's what's crazy. Most of us, all right, when God created us, he gave us five fingers. Say number five. Say five. Five is the number of grace, okay? In God's word, five is the number of grace. So when you extend a handshake, you're actually extending grace to someone. So these gentlemen are carrying their friend and they're showing grace because how else is he going to get there? Have you thought about that? He can't move. He can't walk. There's no way he can get there. So these men are using their hands. They're using their muscles, everything that they got to carry their friend. They're showing him grace even by getting him to Jesus. So on top of this, they see the need that is there. And not only are they seeing the need, they, they got a plan. Because I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I was always told, if you have a problem, you need to have a what? Solution. So as they get there, there's a problem. So what's the solution? The solution is, let's get our friend to Jesus. The solution is, let's get on the roof. The solution is, let's cut a hole in it. And think about being the homeowner for a second. All right, yeah, I know, right? We never think about the homeowner. This homeowner has got Jesus in their house, and this is awesome. And all of a sudden, you start hearing a noise that's not Jesus. And all of a sudden, you got little, little things falling from the ceiling. And all of a sudden, there's sunlight out of nowhere, assuming this took place during the day. It's like, well, what if it was raining? Could you imagine that too? Now, I love rain. Y'all probably don't because we've had a lot of it lately. But that's, you know, there's more coming, by the way. So as you're looking at this, you see what, what is going on. Like, what are we doing here? Why, why is this happening? Well, here's why it's happening. Here's a true fact. The faith, around, around, those, the faith of those around you matters. The faith of those around you matters. 
as you, as you look at this and as you look at verse 5, it says, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What in the world is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. See, when Jesus looked up and saw these four men struggling to get their friend out of Jesus, because we, we don't know how tall the ceilings were. We don't know if he had to drop them 10 feet, 20 feet. We have no idea. All we know is these men saw that it was important to get their friend to Jesus. So as they're lowering him, put yourself into this paralyzed man on a mat. He can't see anything. He don't know what he's being lowered down to. All he knows is there's a lot of air, and if they drop me, I'm, I, no, I shouldn't go there. I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. But, I mean, he's already in trouble, right? So all of a sudden, you've got these four men looking down, lowering their friend at the feet. Not, they, not just lowering him to Jesus. They lowered him at the feet of Jesus. So think about this. As they're lowering, their eyesight is not on a spot of the floor. They immediately have a connection with Jesus. Because as they're lowering and looking down, Jesus is looking up and seeing what's going on. Put yourself in that spot. In that moment, you're lowering your friend and you make eye contact with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You're making eye contact with the man who's going to heal your friend, but the man who's going to heal you too. Because not only in a few minutes you see how this man is healed from the inside out. Think about these four guys. If these four guys did not have enough faith, they wouldn't have had eye contact with Jesus. They wouldn't. And, and you got to look. So they're looking at their friend, and they're looking at Jesus. Do you think anybody else mattered in this moment? Can you imagine what the crowd's doing? The crowd's like, now, some people will be like me. This is what I came here for. This is what I wanted to see. I wanted to see what was going to happen next. Like, we're about to see something take place. I'm about to see Jesus do what he always does. I get to be a part of this. I get to see this. And then you got others who are like, there's a hole in the roof. How are we going to fix that? You notice it's a lot of the ladies laughing, right? Okay. You guys are like, I'm going to pay somebody. But that's what I would do. But you got, you got this moment. Then you got some people who are like, Looking at Jesus, they're not even paying attention to this. They're like, what you going to do now? You were teaching us, but you've just been interrupted. But this was a divine interruption. This was a divine appointment. This was a divine moment. I want you to think about this. Um, who do you hang out with? Think, think about the people that you hang out with. Because your friends are either going to carry you towards Jesus, or they're going to take you away from Jesus. And think about the role that you play there. Are you bringing people to Jesus? Or are you pushing them away from Jesus? Our thoughts and our actions and, and, and the way that we treat each other. Love others, pray with others, serve others, care for others. Like, are we really living up to that? Are we really having that sense of urgency? Because transformation rarely happens in isolation. It happens in community. I think it's so fitting that your group starts next week. Did you hear what I said? Transformation rarely happens in isolation. It happens in community. We were not created to do life alone. Even Jesus had 12, but he also had his three. Jesus had people, why don't you? Well, I'm not going to let people in because you don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, yes, I do. I've had people in my life. 
I've had good people and I've also had those people that, well, they're not there anymore. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? But they were also in my life for a season. They were in my life for a reason. Everybody who's coming in and out of your life has been there for some purpose. But those who are there and who are still there and who have stayed, guess what? Their purpose is not done for you yet and your purpose for them is not done yet. Transformation does not happen in isolation. You are not designed to do life alone and you can't change by yourself. And you also can't change someone else by yourself. If you could, one person would have carried this friend, but how many was it? Four. Not one, it was four. Transformation does not happen in isolation, it happens in community. Who are your people? See, in this moment, Jesus sees an opportunity. Jesus does not heal the symptoms. Now think about this. As you look at this story, you see where seeing the faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. So what was next? Get up, walk, take off, go home. Okay, so how can you say he didn't heal the symptoms? Because he healed the source. He healed the source. See, this, this gentleman was not just paralyzed physically. He was paralyzed spiritually too. Let's go back to the story. Let's go back and think about this. As the friends are lowering their friend down, they're having eye contact with Jesus, but the only, person that, only people that the paralyzed man can see are the four friends who are lowering him down. So as they're lowering down, think about this. Gosh, I wish, man, I wish I could have been here for this because all of a sudden, this man is lowered at the feet of Jesus. All he's doing is looking up. Jesus is watching this happen. He's got eye contact with the friends. He's watching this gentleman be lowered. But as the gentleman gets to the feet of Jesus, who does he have eye contact with now? So he's seeing the faith of his friends. But then he's seeing the healer of his heart. Church, I don't know about you, but we have a lot of people that we need to lay at the feet of Jesus. A lot of people that you think you can fix, you can't. But God can use you to get them in the right place at the right time, just like these four men did. They got their friend in the right place at the right time. And then you know what they did? They handed it to the one who can handle it. And his name is Jesus. Because they had a sense of urgency. The faith of those around you matters. And here's another thing. Here's another fact for you, okay? Let me just toss another fact out to you this morning. Your circumstances, they'll try and describe you, but your identity in Christ defines you. See, the, the, the man for the longest time has been known as a paralyzed man. He's been known as a paralyzed friend. You know how I know that? We don't even have his name. We don't even have his name. We don't know what his name is. All we know is he's a paralyzed man who needed healing. So his circumstances for the longest time has, been, has defined who he was. Like, oh, here, there's that paralyzed man again. And there's so many people in, in Scripture where we see the symptoms. And they get defined and they get characterized by their symptoms. Y'all know some people who in your life, you know them by their symptoms. And here's the thing. It's time for us to put a name on that. So Jesus does not give us his name. Jesus lets us know, I'm defining who he is. Your sins are forgiven, get up and walk. So you know in that moment what he became? He was not a paralyzed anymore, man anymore. He was a child of the king then. He was transformed from the inside out. And could you imagine, I mean, what if you were that guy, right? Everybody has known you. Let's just say he lived in the town. 
And everybody knows who he is. Well, all of a sudden, they're like, what are you doing here? And he gets up. He looks around like, joke's on you. See you later. And he runs out the door. Like, it's, I'm free. Y'all, y'all remember when, when your youngins were little and they crawled? All right. It was fun and cute when they rolled over. But then they started army crawling. And then they got up and they started crawling. And all of a sudden, they realized that they got these two things that matter. What are they called? Feet. All right. Once a child gets mobile... God, help us all. Like, <laughs> then they grow up and they start driving. Really, God, help us all. But like, all of a sudden, they're on their feet and it's like, it's cute. It's a waddle. And it's like, oh, you're so precious. Don't touch that. Don't grab that. Stop that. And all of a sudden, you're like, you're trying to contain it, right? Think about this man. This man has not ever been able to be mobile. Where's he going first? Starbucks? Like, I don't know. Like, he's, I can do anything I want to. I'm moving. I'm running. And guess what? It's because my heart was healed first. Healing has to happen on the inside first. We pray for so much physical healing, but what, what, what would happen if we pray for the heart to be healed so the physical healing could take place next? God, heal them from the inside out. What does it look like to be healed from the inside out? What I love here is uh, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one. Say one. One in Christ Jesus. There's some of you in this room, I know who you are. I love you like family. There's some of you in this room, I kind of know who you are. There's some of you in this room I've never met before in my life. But you know what? Because of Jesus and who he is and he being the common denominator, we are all one in Christ. One. And when we get to heaven, we're not going to remember each other's name. We're just going to remember, hey, man, you love Jesus. I do too. Let's party. Let's go. Because there's a sense of urgency in the here and now and not in the later. One of the worst things that we can do is look at a friend who needs Jesus and say, you know what, I'll get to him tomorrow. You know what, I'll invite them to church next time. You know, back in the day, uh, we didn't have cell phones. You know, I'm kind of dating myself because I, I know I look young. Uh, I know I acted. I don't know why you're laughing, okay? But no, back in the day, we didn't have a cell phone. We did, but it was in a big black bag that was connected to it. See, y'all feeling me, all right? In my yellow station wagon. Thanks, Dad. Um, so we, we, didn't, we didn't have the ability to actually invite when we wanted to. We actually had to go up to them, knock on the door. We, we, back in the church that I grew up in, we had this thing called Monday night visitation. All right? We would go. We would pray together. And then we'd go out and we start doing this. Hey, let me tell you what's going on in my church. Or you see them look through the window. I ain't letting them in. Like, right? You got a cell phone that can text somebody right now. You could have woke up this morning and texted them. I would love for you to meet me at church this morning. But you'll get on a social media post and post before you invite somebody to church. You want to talk about how great your church is, then invite them. Watch this. Now, I'm not, don't raise your hand, okay? This is not audience participation right now, but it is in your heart. Think about this. Who did you invite this week? Who have you invited this last month? My personal opinion, we all should be in life groups next week. Because when you're in life groups, that's one way to get people to church before they get to church. And then they love hanging out with you so much that they're going to start coming to church with you. 
And then they start coming to church with you, and they're like, wait a minute, this actually is a pretty cool thing. So I need to invite somebody with me. Hey, you want to come to my life group real quick? And then all of a sudden, they're coming, and then all of a sudden, you've got like one group that's got split up into four. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there, right, Craig? And and you get there, and all of a sudden, it begins to expand. The church is not, what have you done for me lately? The church is, what can I do for you today, Jesus, when we have a sense of urgency? These men knew exactly what they needed to do. I want you to think about this. Jesus sees you. He notices you. You are his focus. You have his attention. We want to have people's attention so much when we already got the father of the universe's attention. I think I want his attention first. So what happens in this moment? My man jumps up. He takes off. He runs, verse 10, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth and to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man. I love this. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now think about this real quick. Then my man look at him and say, "Um, you want to say that again? Like, you want me to stand up? Like, I mean, think about it. He's laying there looking at him like, dude, I think think they're right. You might have lost your mind. I haven't walked in forever. Like, I mean, he's, or did he say, you know what? I'm going to do what you told me to do. See, a lot of times Jesus will call us to do something, and we want to have a conversation with him instead of doing it. This guy right here, he's laying here paralyzing. We don't know how many people are here, but we know that there's no room. And all of a sudden, in front of everybody, Jesus looks at this guy and says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. This is not a time for conversation. This is not a time of, are you sure about that? Do you really want me to do that? No. Okay, sweet. I, Let's get up and let's go. You know what that tells me right there? If God called you to it, he's going to bring you through it. He brought him to his feet. He brought him and picked up his mat, and he took off. And what else did he do? See, here's here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. If he did it for him, he can do it for you. Some of y'all are paralyzing the situation in your life right now, and you feel like there's nothing that you can do. You're right. You can't do anything, but let me introduce you to the man who can And his name is Jesus. We sit here and we think, how am I going to get out of this? You're not going to get out of anything. Let Jesus bring you out of it. What am I going to do next? It's okay. Take the first step and let him give you the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. See, the faith of those around you matters. Surround yourself with people who are going to lead you in the right way, not in the last way. And then let me just finish up with this. What, what, What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. God will use for good. Satan wants to do anything and everything he can to get you in and out. God can use your past to change someone else's future. See, we talked about in the beginning, we see our past, but God sees our future. We see a lump of clay, but God sees a sculpture. We see a blank canvas, but God already sees the finished picture. We see a lump of coal, but God sees a diamond. You are a twinkle in your father's eye. You are who God says you are. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for the absolute good. So I want you to think about this. In Psalms chapter 46, verse 10, it says this, be still and know that I am God. Be still. So right now, real quick, just take a deep breath, let it out, and just be still. For some of you, this is the stillest you've been all week, and it's the stillest you're going to be for the next week. It says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. So here's why I want to provide for you this one. Here's what I want you to understand. When you're still and you know, 
you'll be able to know without a doubt that God is the answer. He's the answer. You'll know that God is the solution to your problem. You'll begin to see that God is exactly what you're looking for. You'll be able to, to know that God is exactly what you need. And then on top of that, you'll understand that God is good. Listen, I want you to understand something. God is love. God don't just love you. He is love. Lo love is not something that he does. It's who he is. You know, people tell us all the time, I love you. Do they? God doesn't just say, I love you. He shows you. Because it's not, it's not what he says. It's, it's who he is. So this morning, I want you to know that we've, we've got to have a, a sense of urgency. The world needs the church. This community, the community in Greenville, they need the church. But they don't need the building. They need you. You are the church. If we didn't have these walls here this morning, if we were standing outside where it was freezing cold, we can go out in the gravel in the back and we can still be the church. We can go out in the middle of the road. I wouldn't, you know, suggest that, but we could. But if people pulled up on three, 400 people, they'd see the church. They pull up to your house where two or more are gathered. There I am also. They would see the church. So we want to kind of do this a little bit different this morning. If you would, just bow your head, close your eyes for me real quick. I mean, if you're in this room, and, and let me tell you something, there's nothing like knowing who Jesus is. There's nothing like falling in love with Jesus. There's nothing like being safe and secure in the security of the Father. But some of y'all are sitting here, you're like, man, I, I can't have a sense of urgency because I don't know if I have the relationship with Jesus that I need to give somebody else. So if you're in this room, man, and, and you know for a fact that if God called you home today, like if this was your day to spend eternity with the Father, if you know that heaven is your destination, heaven is your home, would you just raise your hand real quick? Nobody's looking, it's just me. Just raise your hand. Amen. Hands down. Now look at me, church. I'm probably going to be one of the most realest people you've ever met in your life. I'm going to be real with you. Not every hand went up. So we, as a church, need to have a sense of urgency right now for the hand that did not go up. So I'll, I'm going to do probably the best thing I could ever do is offer you the greatest gift of your life, and his name is Jesus. So if you're in this room and you don't have that relationship, I want to give you that chance right now. And I want you to put this in perspective real quick because here's the thing. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus, God still would have sent his son just for you. He sent his son for a multitude of people, but if you were the only one here, you know what? He still would have done it, and I don't understand that because I don't want to give up my kids. I cannot let my kid die for this world. Call me selfish. I'm just being real. But he did. And if you were the only one, he would have still. So I want to invite you to receive the greatest gift of your life. A relationship with Jesus. The relationship with, my relationship with Jesus is not going to be what sends you to heaven. You got to have your own. So let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. If you want to give it, you, if you want to get your life right this morning, you want to experience Jesus, I want to just, just pray this prayer in your heart right now. Say, Father God, I come to you now. God, I need you. My life is empty without you. So, Father, I, I admit that I've made mistakes. 
but that's not who I want to be. I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you died for me, that you bled for me, that you gave your life for me so that my sins could be forgiven. I also believe that you're alive and well for us to do life together. Father, I I confess now that I need you to come into my life, to take control, to call me son or call me daughter, and I will call you father. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, listen, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to know how and who I can pray for this morning. If you're in this room and you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I'm giving my life to Jesus today. Nothing's holding me back. I don't care what anybody else thinks. Cut that hole in the roof. Lower me down to the feet of Jesus. I want him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and leave it up for, amen. Just leave it up for real quick. Amen. Amen. I see you. I see you. Hands down. Amen. Praise God. I see you. Amen. Oh, man, God is so good. God is so good. Hey, church, look at me real quick. Can we give God some praise this morning that we had several people who said, you know what, I'm giving my life. Listen, those of you who raised your hand, this is your confirmation. You're not in this by yourself. You're not in this by yourself. You will never be in this by yourself. Number one, you got the Father, but number two, you got family, okay? Here's the next thing I want to do. If you would, stand with me real quick. Stand with me real fast. We're going to do this, and then I'm going to disappear for a minute. How many of you know that there are people in your life that you need to have a sense of urgency with, and you need to have that conversation? You need to be praying for them. If you know somebody who needs Jesus, would you just raise your hand? Now, let's take it a step further. If you know that, and because here's the thing. As I said that, God started putting people on your heart. I believe that a praying church is a powerful church. If you believe that God can save that person, then we need to pray for that person to be saved. Would you not agree? Well, here's an altar. Would y'all come down here with me and stand with me together as a church and let's pray together? Whether it's one of you, whether it's five of you, I don't care. Y'all come down here and let's pray together. I know it's a little bit different. Listen, if you know anything about me, I don't do anything normal. But a praying church is a powerful church. See, right now, by you stepping out in faith, you know what we're doing? Spencer, we're cutting holes in the ceiling right now. Craig, we're cutting holes in the ceiling right now. Greenville Campus, we're cutting holes in the ceiling right now. Listen, this right here is the first step. Because I truly believe that God will put you in position to be used by him to bring them to Jesus. Now, when you leave here today, reach out. Get them here. Get them here. If you you can, if you want to, I see some of y'all already linked up. If you want to touch the shoulder of somebody, let's just get in unity here real quick. And we're going to pray together. And then here's what we're going to do after we pray. We're going to watch God do what he does best when he shows up and he shows out. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, what a humbling moment when your church comes together as one because a praying church is a powerful church. Lord, it's not about a Sunday faith. It's about an everyday faith, all day, every day with you, God. 
Lord, heaven is our home, and we are just here to be a billboard. God, I pray that we will shine bright for you. Lord, those names that you are putting on our hearts, God, I pray, Lord, right now that you will put us in position to do what you called us to do, whether it's just be an arm to hug, whether it be a shoulder for them to cry on, God, whatever it looks like. God, may we just be you. Lord, may we cut the hole in the ceiling. May we lower our friend at the feet of you. And God, while our friend's at the feet, may we find rest at your feet as well. God, we praise you for for the hands that went up this morning who say, you know what, I'm stepping out today. I'm giving my life to Jesus, God. For those seven or eight that we saw, Lord, I pray that you will give them strength, that you will give them encouragement, Lord, that you will, today is the start of a brand new journey. And God, those we rejoice, but Father, for the ones who are gonna meet you here soon, God, once again, put us in position to love you and to love them. In your name we pray. And everybody said,